This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we build professional development systems to help engineers and their firms grow. You can now download our recently published AE Industry Trends Report, which contains answers to the following questions. How long will the great resignation last? Are firms still allowing remote work and how is it affecting their productivity? How are successful firms using data to create people-centric cultures? You can find answers to these questions and more in our latest report, which you can download at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. How do you ensure quality control on your projects, especially when you have young professionals on your team? Or maybe you're a young professional trying to figure out what quality control is to you. I am your host, Brian Wagner, a licensed professional engineer. And in this episode of the Engineering Quality Control Podcast, I'll be talking with James Taylor, professional engineer and senior project manager, civil engineering group leader at Verdantis, an emerging environmental engineering and technical consulting company with a green sustainability and people first approach in the foreground. We talk about things related to quality control for young professionals, how engineering managers can get them involved, get them asking questions. And we also talk about how valuable joining an association and getting involved and active with that organization can help your career as you get started. So let's jump right in. So now I'd like to welcome our guest for today, James Taylor from Verdantis. James, welcome to the Engineering Quality Control Podcast. Hey, thanks, Brian. I appreciate you having me on and uh, definitely consider it to be an honor. So we met back at NSPECon, even though we did figure out that we actually worked together in different offices at one company at one time. But could you tell us a little bit about yourself and tell the audience what you may do on a daily basis? So I... Uh... University of Delaware graduate in 2012, uh, degree in civil engineering. Uh, in 2018, I got my licensed uh, professional engineer. So uh, only took me uh, five years to get that. So that's great. Uh, not the normal four, but that's okay. Uh, currently, I serve as a senior project manager, as well as our civil engineering group leader for our group here in Wilmington, Delaware department in Verdantis. So about 22 people is who I oversee uh, doing a group of an amount of land development, municipal work, a wide variety of civil engineering jobs and practices. And uh, so I work with clients from both the private and the public sector on their engineering needs, really trying to be more of a consultant than just an engineer in pretty much everything that they do that they might need us for. That's what I do on a daily basis. I mean, you're a land development like I am. So it's a little bit of everything. And it doesn't really fit into one of those five categories that we get tested on. No. But it's a great part of civil engineering, I think. You're correct. Yeah, that, I took my uh, PE test in, in transportation because that's just what I had you know, enough knowledge in. And you're right, it doesn't fit into an exact category, but you get it and you keep moving from there. Yeah, I did transportation as well. And there's definitely stuff that I was that I had on the test that I have never touched since I got my license. A couple of things I might have saw in another report, but that's about it. That's like school too, right? Some things you just never you, know, you never use again. Yeah, we can talk about that forever. My my daughter's in fifth grade, and so she's starting to do hard math. And I'm like, come look at some of my math. And she's like, I'm never going to use this. I'm like, actually, you might. <laughs> exactly. 
One of the things that really stood out to me when we met at the NSPE conference was how involved you were with the association. And really, you just stood out as a person that I saw in passing the first couple of days because of your interactions with others. And it seemed like you knew a lot of people and you knew things. But as a younger engineer, why is quality control important to you in your career? It's such a good question because I think sometimes as engineers, especially once you come out of school, you don't really know what quality control is. When I think back to quality control, I think of the the office and some of the things that took place in that show um, with the quality control person and, and things going wrong. And it's like, okay, I get that, but how does that apply to engineering? But as an engineer, we're called to protect the health, self, safety, and welfare of the public. And so when you look at that, that quality control is so important because it's making sure that you're doing your job. And and as humans, we make mistakes. Let's be real. We all make mistakes. That quality control is in place to make sure that it's not only one set of eyes on things, that multiple people are looking at pieces. As an engineer, you want to be the smartest person in the room, but I, I think it takes a big person to recognize that you might not be the smartest all the time. And so I think as a young engineer, you really have to look at quality control as that piece that you don't know. You need to learn more about, you need to figure out what all the different aspects of engineering are. And it's really to protect you, it's to protect your company and to protect the public as a whole. So kind of a a broad aspect there, but it's such a huge piece of what we do in engineering. Right. And I think embracing it is so important at all levels, but it really speaks to your reputation. And that's kind of where I think I was going with that kind of that introducing that question is that you have a reputation as a person, as an engineer, as whatever associations and the people that you deal with and interact with. And a lot of it is based on your ability to execute quality control, because we all know the, when you have a bad reputation, it's for a reason and whether it's true or not, it doesn't matter. It still gets around. So maybe what's your outlook for a young profession on quality control, any little advice or any thoughts, like you said, coming out of school, How do you embrace that not knowing or not knowing what you don't know too? I think there's two thoughts coming out of school is you have to know that you need it. And, but you also struggle with the, why is it important aspect? I talked about, you know, risk and liability as the the big piece. You talked about reputation. Um, We're trying to protect the public, but as a young professional, you have to understand that you have to look at that quality control pieces in order to grow. And it's not just at one point in time. And, and, you know, with both of us being in land development, you have key deadlines, key submissions that take place, right? A lot of times that quality control waits until right before you make that submission. But in all reality, that quality control is all throughout the process of that project. If you're only looking at at the end, how much stuff did you miss while things are going on, you know, are your efficiencies there? There's a lot of different aspects to that. And so I think it's really important to make sure that you're looking at quality control. You have to have the the bright side of, I can always learn more. I can always grow. And even when you continue to go from a young professional to, you know, a seasoned professional, you should still be in the standpoint of, I can't do this by myself. I need to make sure someone else is looking at my work. I don't know how many times that somebody's walked past my desk and even me with a lot of experience and doing the same thing over and over again, year after year, and they'll walk by and go, why don't you move that over here? And be like, well, that would make this a lot easier and a lot more sense. And it makes the grading easier, the drainage easier, but it just never entered my mind. And that in a sense, that step, that question that they asked is quality control. 
You're right. And as humans, we're creatures of habit, right? We do the same things. We want to say that we're innovative. We're coming up with the new techniques and, and whatever that might be. We all revert back to what we know and what we're com- most comfortable with until we break that barrier. And so it takes another perspective to really look at that and say, if you did it this way, it might actually, well, one, it could save the client money, right? Um, during construction. Two, it might be an easier design for us. So, hey, that's even better. Three, it's going to be a benefit, to, I mean, to the public. All those different aspects come into it if we get that second set of eyes on the work that we're doing. Right. I think quality control is more than just the technical errors, but it's also asking questions and finding that best solution and being able to produce that best product that bolsters and improves your reputation both as a company and as an individual. Hopefully it's a good one. Now we could talk about a little bit about your reputation because in 2021, you were selected by the American Society of Civil Engineers, Delaware section to be the young engineer of the year. So that is an excellent achievement and congratulations on that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Besides that, it looks like you've also served or currently serving as the Delaware Engineering Society president currently serving as well as the new professionals director on NSPE. That's correct. Yes. You're involved in a lot. And that's what actually stood out to me when I saw you moving and interacting with people at the conference that I was at. I think you actually moderated even the session that I spoke at, but how has your involvement with those associations or any association helped grow your career? It's an interesting question because it's one of those things where I don't think you typically look at and say, hey, I need to be part of this association for my progression and for my growth. And I would challenge that thought of you do need peers outside of your company to really challenge you, to push you forward. As far as you know, NSPE goes, was at an engineering banquet uh, here in Delaware and the president said, hey, we need volunteers to help out. I was like, hey, why not? Why not me? And then I became vice president and then he stepped down and I became president. And it was like, what just happened? And then I got involved with NSPE um, at the national level through their emerging leaders program that they have. And um, after that, there was a call for a new professionals director. And I, I said, yeah, might as well put my name in for that and see what happens. And so I was selected to serve on the board for a two-year term. And it's been one of those things that's been super impactful in my life because it's not just looking at my company or looking at the people directly in my area, it's looking at the entire uh, country and you're getting to meet people from all across the US, uh, some that are in similar fields like land development, but others that are just in engineering. You develop this camaraderie of people that really you can lean on and grow and, and develop and you develop those relationships. Relationships are so important in life. You can't do life alone. You can't, like you can try and, and be there by yourself, but you really need those people uh, to be able to, to lean on, ask questions and just really uh, push you in the direction that that's going to support your growth as a whole. Well, I think it's great. And I commend you for all that, that you're involved with. I know I've gotten involved with some of the local organizations that I've seen the professional organizations like the chambers. So it doesn't necessarily even have to be that national level, but like getting involved with other businesses and other individuals, it helps you beyond just quality control too, because you have these resources. I'm sure that you've gained engineering resources of people that if you got into a situation that you really just didn't know who to talk to, you probably have somebody in your network that you could call or or send an email to and get some positive interactive feedback that would help you. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as a young professional, um, you have to know what you don't know and you have to know when you need to ask questions. And so in that situation, it's not just knowing that you don't know the answer. It's not just knowing that you need to ask questions. It's knowing who to talk to when you have those questions and being a part of, of societies, being part of, of giving back to the community that's around you, whatever that might be, you're going to find those connections and those relationships that are going to be able to help you in your career. It takes some encouragement because that's a big undertaking. I'm sure you deal with it. I've dealt with it before, even when I go to events and it's the imposter syndrome. I don't belong here. Even going into a meeting with your supervisor and being like, I can't make this design work. You said it would work. I don't think I'm a good engineer because I can't figure it out. It's asking those questions and, and proving one way or the other. Maybe you're doing it wrong or maybe you're doing it absolutely right. And it just doesn't work without changing the confines of what boundaries that you have to work in. I know that I was working on a project and it was a stormwater project. I took it over because the other engineer couldn't solve it. He was having a lot of trouble. But when I looked at it, I moved a couple of roads, changed a couple lots and was able to make it work. And they're like, how can you make it work? But he couldn't because he's newer. He didn't understand that he could move the road or could change the lots or what the impacts are. And as we come at things with different experiences and different things that we do throughout our career, I think it's, it's only best that we do ask questions and learn and try to embrace as much as we possibly can throughout our careers. You brought up the uh, imposter syndrome and self-esteem and all that stuff. Like that's really big. And, and part of it is you have to understand, like you've gone through four years of school to become an engineer. You've gone through what it takes to get your professional engineer's license. You have what it takes. It's not that you can't do, it's that you just don't have that experience just yet. And I run into it myself, you know, personally, sometimes of, do I really belong here? Am I supposed to be doing, am I supposed to be on this podcast? I mean, am I really considered a, a quality control expert? But, you know, it's one of those things, Brian, that if you put yourself down, you can't build yourself up. And and so it's like, you are where you're supposed to be. You are where you're meant to be and gleam off of everyone around you to continue to build that knowledge and grow. I think that's a great perspective. And just to comment on whether or not you belong here on this podcast or not, I learned something from every person that I've talked to. So I have a question whether or not I should be hosting this. There you go. Exactly. But it's all about helping other engineers, helping others, helping this profession, whether it's a developer listening to this, whether it's a new student that's thinking about engineering and somebody brought up what is quality control and it brought them to this episode, maybe. Who knows? I appreciate that. The goal of this is to help people and it doesn't matter how valuable it is. Like I said, I think I've walked away from every episode of recording these with some kind of takeaway from somebody that just goes, oh, okay, I'm learning. So I'm going to keep doing it because I enjoy learning just as much as anybody else. You've got to be a lifelong learner, right? So let's transition a little bit and talk about Verdantis. I have some notes here that says it was created as part of a private equity acquisitions, and it used a little bit of a different approach to their quality control procedures. Can you share a little bit more information about that? Verdantis started in 2020, where uh, they were building a consulting company focused on the environment. And so what happened was a private equity firm came in and acquired a handful of engineering and consulting firms and pulled them together as one company. And so the whole goal there is to be experts in the environment and its supporting infrastructure and being committed to the people that are in this company. And so when that took place, obviously you got 
four different companies, a number of companies have all their own processes and procedures and everything else. And you're trying to pull them all together into one. And so it kind of was a cool experience because I would say it's not like other acquisitions that take place where a larger company buys a smaller company. Here it is, go with it. In this case, it really was a collaborative effort between parties of different expertise, different areas of the country that really built together to build a quality uh, control policy and procedure that could be followed across the board, no matter who you were, no matter what you are. Because when it comes down to it, quality control really is a success to the company. And so if we're not following quality, we're not creating a safe work environment for our people. We're not building a great reputation, like you said, Brian, not just externally, but also internally between the different offices across the country, the part, the different areas, the different groups that we have and different practices, gaining repeat business is all part of that, attracting new clients and managing business risk. So all of those different aspects pull into the quality And so what they did was they kind of gathered a group of people together, sat down and said, okay, here's ours, here's ours. Let's look together, find our similarities, pull them together, and then develop that policy. And and it took a little bit of time to pull that all together. But in the end, it's going to, what's going to make us successful as a company. So it was one of those backbone pieces that had to be established right off the bat. I think that's a great approach to a situation like that. Because like you said, most acquisitions are, this is the big firm, I'm buying the little firm. This is our standards. These are our expectations. Yeah, we might change something or adapt something. And I would actually challenge you to look at all your project managers in your group, and they probably do things a little bit differently. They still apply those project management or the quality control procedures and the policy that you have, but they probably approach it a little bit different, each of them, based on their experiences, their knowledge, their situations that they've been in and their unique projects. Are you guys leveraging any kind of technology to assist with that? Yeah, I mean, so obviously over the last uh, three years, we've changed a lot, not just with the company, but also pre-COVID, during COVID, hopefully post-COVID at this point, or whatever you want to call it. But before COVID, I want to say, you know, we were still very somewhat paper focused of whoever's reviewing the plans, printing them out, marking them up, handing them back to a drafter, designer, what that might be really got away from that before COVID and transitioned into the more digital aspect. And so, you know, at this point, we're looking at PDFs, Bluebeam, uh, design review through CAD uh, that you can kind of just pull things in. Obviously, you talk about quality control being throughout the life cycle of a project, not just the deliverables. Um, So, you know, Microsoft Teams is a big tool that we use. I mean, I absolutely love it. I think a lot of young professionals love using Microsoft Teams. And I think even more experienced professionals are starting to pick up on it that, hey, this can be a really valuable tool. It's helped me limit the amount of email internal that we're having back and forth to really confine it, you know, internal communication to Teams versus email, because we all know that you can never get to inbox zero as much as you would like to. There's always something else that comes up, but you always got to be looking out for the best way to be doing things. Technology you know, is always changing. And so which ways can you make it better? You know, having Teams calls and going over things while you have people in Delaware, Pennsylvania, Maryland, all together on the same call, it kind of makes it a lot easier than what we used to have to go through of, you know, conference call, right? And you had you each had a copy of the plans and you're going through and saying, do you see this on this page? Uh, it's really streamlined that, that efficiency from a, a quality control perspective. 
I think I know I've said it on this podcast before, but there are people that struggled with email that are now Teams and Zoom like wizards that can share their screens and have conversations instead of having to rely only on the people in your office or in your local area. Now you can ask somebody in any office, in any place, if they've had a similar scenario or something to help out. I know that I've had that experience with where we would just have little brainstorm sessions like, hey, let's just have a call. This is my plan. What do you think of this? And then it just works out better because we're sharing more information and not waiting until that 11th hour, the smittles tomorrow situations. Well, and it's really cool with, with what we've built as a company in Verdantis here um, that we have people out in Ohio, we have people out down in Florida. You know, I physically sit in Delaware. We could all be on the call talking about the same thing, bouncing ideas off each other about our expertise and really take that interaction to another level where we don't have to be in the same room figuring things out. And hey, it's better for the environment because we're not traveling across all these different states to get in touch with each other. Well, it is. And you're getting all these different perspectives too. I mean, think about oh, well, we did this and it was in Ohio and it was storm order related and it has nothing that you've seen on the East Coast, farther East, I guess, than Ohio. But then it applies and it works and it makes sense and you have an example and you can apply it and keep going. So I think that's just great. So now as a group leader and you're managing people too, in addition to just your projects, how do you ensure that young professionals are using the correct quality control procedures on their projects? That's the whole point of the policy, right? Is making sure that things are are put into place the right way. You have different check-ins throughout. The way that we kind of make sure that, that they're doing the right thing is is really kind of come alongside of them, right? You got to check in. It's not a, uh, here's the rope, go do what you need to do, coming back when things are done. It's really saddling up alongside of them. And I think that's part of what changes the perspective from a leader to a manager. You're not just managing saying, hey, go do this. You're really leading them. You're really kind of coming alongside and say, hey, let's tackle this together. And the more that you're able to show what's going on, what you're doing, what you're seeing, what the process that you're going through, it makes those younger professionals even better in what they do. I had a conversation with someone recently that was like, hey, I'm learning a lot, but I really wish I knew more about the why we're doing what we're doing. And it's like, oh, you know, you're right. If you don't make those connections together, it doesn't stick. And so it's not just about what we're doing. It's why we're doing it, how we're doing like all those different questions. It all comes together in the perfect picture. And if you can succeed in coming alongside, and I hate saying the word making clones, but you want people to really you want to send the knowledge down to those younger professionals because the more that you're able to send it down to them, the more they're able to come up to the next level. Make their suggestions, make their ideas known too. I mean, it, it's a two-way street for everything. I think the other thing is encouraging to ask questions and then not being upset when that question is asked. Because I think sometimes we're so busy that we're just like, why are you asking this question? Well, the reason they're asking the question is because they don't know or understand and they want to get a better way. And and even if it's something where, hey, I've told them, them them a few times the way to do this. Well, have you told them the right way? Are they listening? Are they understanding? You know, communication is a, is a two-way street. It's not just the message that you send, but it's also the message that's received. And so all those pieces together, as a young professional, you got to ask the questions when you don't know and, and uh, really create that environment that allows for people to ask questions. I think that's a great perspective. And I would encourage anybody to even, sometimes I've heard questions asked and I've been asked questions that are more they're not really questions. They're kind of like check-ins. 
their confirmation. Like you told me to design this like this, and this is what it looks like because they're not exactly sure what it's supposed to look like. And then you look at it and go, oh yeah, that's exactly what I expected it to be. And they're like, oh, okay. And then they get a little bit more confidence, a little bit more experience, and then they just can keep going. It's that confidence piece that you talk about, right? You're worried going into things of what you're doing and you might not fully know what it is. And you do that one thing right. And it's like, oh, I did it right. And then it's the confidence builder and it keeps going and going and going. Going back to that self-esteem stuff that we talked about earlier, right? The confidence is a big part of that. And if you can understand how to do things and and really provide that feedback of, of hey, you're doing a great job, it really builds them up and really continues to allow them to grow. So we have listeners of all ages. We also have the power of experience segment where I'm going to ask you for like a takeaway, but like what suggestions might you have for someone who is considering a career like yours that is considering getting involved in those associations and putting themselves out there a little bit more? Do you have any suggestions or advice on that? A short one, but I'll elaborate. Do it. It's very simple, but you want to do it. Um, If you're thinking about a career in engineering or a career in, I would say probably one of the coming out of school, not a lot of people understand what land development is in the civil engineering perspective. But if you're considering a a platform in, in civil engineering, do it. Land development, do it. The cool part about land development, like you said earlier, Brian, is that you kind of touch a little bit of everything, right? I feel like as a, someone that's in the land development field, I can make a lot of impact on the environment around us because of the, the work that we're doing. And we really make a difference. Um, yeah, I'm not an environmental engineer, but the environment is important to me and I want to make sure we're protecting it and doing what needs to get done. So if you're looking for a career in engineering or land development, do it. If you're looking to be a part of an organization, find what's going to fit you best. What are your goals for your career? Where do you want to go? find where that is and be a part of it. But don't just be a member, be an active member, get involved, plan events, go to events, meet people, network, build that that group around you that you can call on if you got a question about something or, hey, I'm really struggling with this. There's a lot of, a lot of people out there that can help. LinkedIn is great, but that's only really social media, right? You don't really see a lot of what's going on. You need to find those people in person and really connect with them and and grow. I do want to hit the what we call the power of experience segment where you've been given advice. You've been probably given some tidbits of information over the years. And I'm just wondering if you have anything that you're willing to share with our audience. I think for me, it's the biggest piece is take advantage of every opportunity that might be given to you. Seek out what might be ahead Sometimes you might say no because you don't feel like you're qualified. Take the chance if you think you can do it and succeed. If you don't know, ask, but really take advantage of every opportunity that might be presented to you. What might be the best way to connect with you? LinkedIn is probably the easiest way. I'm pretty active on there, you know, posting what I'm doing in the workforce, uh, what our company's doing, you know, even things that are taking place in the engineering industry as a whole. So you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. My, I think it's K James Taylor. I should have mentioned earlier on, I do not sing and play guitar like the, the James Taylor. I do enjoy music, but you can find me K James Taylor on LinkedIn. I would love to connect with you and grow that network. I think a lot of your advice, I know we focused on younger professionals and that transitional period and some of that stuff, but really a lot of what you're telling and saying, in my opinion, it should open some eyes of some of those more experienced people to do the same or just keep that in mind when they're working with those younger professionals. Correct. I mean, realistically, quality control doesn't 
I would say it doesn't necessarily change in concept, no matter what level you're at, it still needs to be done. You might need to have a, you know, instruct and teach a young professional really how to, what quality control is all about. How do you make sure that you're impacting quality onto the work that you do? Yes, it does. It stretches the entire gambit of professional. I do want to thank you again for your time and your insight. I appreciate it. No, our listeners will appreciate it. And you certainly deserve to be on this podcast. Oh, Brian, I appreciate it. Uh, it like I said, it was an honor. And hopefully uh, you'll have me back again sometime in the future. Please remember that you can find the show notes for this episode and all episodes at engineeringqualitycontrol.com. There you'll find a summary of the key points that we discussed along with links to any of the resources, websites, and other things that we mentioned in today's episode. Until next time, friends, I wish you the best in your engineering endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.com dot org.